Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, everyone, this is Ferris from Disrupt Equity. And if you want to learn how to connect with the best, you should be listening to Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm chatting with Ferris Musa. Ferris is a serial entrepreneur with a tech background. Uh, he formerly worked as a program manager over at Microsoft and has been able to leverage technology to accelerate business growth and obtain a competitive advantage over others by efficiency improvements. Ferris has owned several businesses over his career and is a managing partner at Disrupt Equity with over $80 million in current AUM and purchase and sale of over 1,600 plus units in the real estate industry. Guys, it's gonna be an amazing conversation with Ferris. I can't wait to get into some things, but first, really quickly, if you are a seven-figure entrepreneur and you know the benefits of having a podcast, the brand recognition and credibility that it brings, the ability to interview the top people in your industry and, and share authority and credibility with them, maybe the book deals or the speaking engagements that come from it, even just the audience building or whatever the reason is for you, but you know that it's a good idea, you just haven't been able to figure it out or don't have the time or the team or resources to dedicate to figure it out, then have me and my team do it for you. Head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And uh, there's a quick application there and we'll jump on a call to see if we would be a good fit to build out a show for you. That way you can focus on what you're good at, which is servicing your clients and customers. We can focus on what we're good at, which is building world-class podcasts. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast podcast. Ferris, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, my man. Travis, no, thank you very much, man. Excited to be here finally. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Of course. We're kind of talking uh, about how we started to get to know each other before this. And it was interesting when I saw the uh, the pitch come through to my emails. I meant that dis- dis- disrupt equity, man. That, seems, that sounds so familiar. And then uh, I guess the same thing was happening on your end with, with my name because uh, we have a mutual connection with my dad who's invested in a couple of your guys' um, apartment deals and things. So before we get into some of the you know inner workings of what you got going on right now, I'm curious to hear how you got to where you are. So let's take it back, like way back. Talk about 12, 13 year old Barris. Talk to me about what you're up to back then. Oh, man. Parents, family life. First time I get asked to talk about talk about 12, 13 year old Ferris, but it's actually funny because that's probably where it all started. Yeah. Right? So, really, 13 year old Ferris, you know, I was learning. I had known about a little bit about web development way back when, but that's really whenever I started to really get into it, learned a lot about it, and, you know, taught myself how to develop sites. And so, for me, mm-hmm. I mean, my very first, you know, I was an entrepreneur from the very beginning, right? I had started developing for people then started hiring on people developing for me and really built my own little web development company in high school. Wow. So, you know, I mean, I, I loved entrepreneurialism. It was always kind of a thing and, you know, went off to college and kind of cashed out on all that. And originally I wanted to be a doctor, right? My father's a doctor. You know, I think I would love being a doctor, but after the first year and a half, I realized I really hate memorization. <laughs> Much mm-hmm. more problem solving is my forte. And so, yeah. you know, got into computer science, which is a natural fit to kind of what I had been doing. And, you know, completed that. And then I had interned at Microsoft and then decided, you know what, I'm going to go to Microsoft two, three years and I'm out. Because again, always wanted to go kind of do the more of the entrepreneurial route. And so, you know, went to Microsoft, loved it, met some awesome people and did well there, right? And then I kind of waited for the right time between projects. So it's not mid-release, but did find opportunity and left Microsoft and, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of went off to start my uh, software company. So, that's really the beginning of the path. And then I can kind of keep going on if you want, but I'll pause right there if you have any questions about that. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about your experience with Microsoft. Like, What was it like working for a company that's as much of a household name as Microsoft was? Like, Did you learn a lot? Was there things that you saw that were oversights? Were there things that you saw that they did really well? What, what were a few of the takeaways from your time? Yeah. So I, mean, I, I learned a ton. Had a great time there, right? I mean, a lot of great people. You kind of realized, you know, I was on Windows specifically, right? And Windows is a product that has a billion users, right? right. And I learned right. early on, don't say that's easy because of X, because what you don't realize is that, you know, maybe you're going to make one change and it might break 0.01 users, but then that's 10 million people. Right? So, yeah, right. you, know, you kind of learn the scale Insane. and then, you know, what it takes to build something like that. I mean, it, it's considered, really, Windows is considered one of the most complex engineering efforts, period, of mankind. And so, learned a lot in that sense and learned a lot about the corporate culture, right, and how that works and how that functions. And just, I guess, what it takes to move an org, right? Nothing is easy at all. I think maybe that was my crash course to where I had previously, you know, it was like me and two other people and, you know, we can make decisions on a whim. So right. I started to learn a lot more about what it takes to scale and, you know, ultimately had a good time. And it's funny you mentioned the household name because during, I guess, during kind of the offer phase, I had an offer from Amazon and an offer from Microsoft. At the time, Amazon was this, you know, much smaller company. And, you know, I had a friend who was a president there that worked there and I, I made, in hindsight, probably the, the, the careless joke that, oh, well, Microsoft has a lot more brand recognition. So I was figuring that probably, you know, is a natural fit. And I remember 15 <laughs> years later, whenever Amazon, which was actually a couple of years ago, Amazon passed Microsoft in, you know, the market cap. And he sent yeah. me a nice little message saying, so, um, you know, how do you compare the names now? <laughs> so it's not well, all about the name and the brand at the time. So that, that the is... That is true. That's fair. Okay, so let's talk about the uh, the software company that you started then. So you were working at Microsoft. What was the next step? Was it was it like, hey, I want to get out of here and I want to do something in entrepreneurship. So let me come up with an idea. Or was it, I have an idea. 
it seems to be validated. It seems to be a good idea. It seems to be working. I need to quit my job and, and focus on this. Oh, that's a great question. So for your audience, I highly recommend have a plan. You know, the people that, and yes, people do it all the time, right? They completely jump ship and go all in. And from my, you know, what I've seen and people I know have done it, it's just, it's a lot harder path that way. Yeah. Right? So for me, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Every evening, pretty much, right? I was working on projects on, you know, my after Microsoft, right? Right. So I was kind of learning different things. And I had a friend as well. We were both kind of collaborating and, you know, playing with different technologies, trying different things, trying to figure out what could make sense, right? And so, um, you know, for us, we had gained a little bit of traction before I had left Microsoft. And coincidentally, I was on the app platform team within Windows. And so I knew a lot about apps in that platform. So that was kind of really where we, we got our footing and, you know, it made sense to, to leave, right? So it started to get a little traction. And again, I had told myself I was going to hard leave one way or another. And so maybe, even though I'm telling people in the audience, do, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing, because I probably yeah. would have also jumped, you know, full feet ahead kind of thing. But again, I had at least done this in high school. I had experience. I had made money doing it. So I knew I could do exactly what I did back then and, you know, start off, right? So it wasn't completely an untrodden path. Yeah, right. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like, like, like hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So talk to me about that build. How, how, did, yeah, how did it go? So, so, so for me, you know, the, the vision of leaving Microsoft was there's a lot of smart people at tech companies working on tech problems. There's a lot fewer people that are taking, you know, those tech skills and applying them to other industries that don't have them. Right. And so, mm. you know, the vision was how do I go into our industries? And I'll kind of get through the story here shortly because obviously we, we ended up in real estate, but, you know, go to older and dated industries and figure out how can we add a lot of value. And so we ended up, you know, we had multiple things. We had, you know, had launched a bunch of different apps and you know, all that was cash generation, but we knew ultimately apps are kind of a short term gig, right? And it was not going to be a sustainable product. And so we ended up 
you know, at the time I had extra money I was looking to invest. I had invested in, you know, fourplex and some single families, but also on the software side, we ended up building property management software of all things. And so again, those are kind of maybe the two jumps that gave me a taste of, you know, multifamily and kind of the, the segue into where I'm at now currently. So how, how did you end up leaving the software world? Did you have an exit or did you just kind of walk away? Talk no, to me we, about we kind of walked away. So, I mean, we had made, you know, we had done very well for several years. And then we had kind of doubled down on the property management software. And ultimately that did not work out as expected. And just because I think you know, there's a couple of uh, mistakes that we made. And it's funny because my, my old partner, I was actually, he was here in the office uh, this week and we were kind of catching up. But, you know, I think ultimately it's, we did not do a good enough job of having the right customers and not pivoting and kind of really, you know, own our niche before we tried to scale out. Hmm. Right. And now that I'm on the other side of things, right. At Disrupt Equity, we also have our own, you know, our own property management company that we've, we started to, you know, for managing in-house. And so I kind of see the other side of it and I see exactly why our, our, our product failed essentially. Right. I mean, it's, you know, even though I thought we had, we did have an amazing product, right. It was kind of the Hummer, but there's a whole ecosystem that needed to be built around it to really make it to where it makes sense for large property management companies. And so right, that's kind of right. maybe a little bit of say what happened with that software thing. And so that was kind of winding down while I was also doing well on the investment side and kind of decided to double down. Got it. So what year did you make the transition over to disrupt? 2017. 2017. 16. Okay. Gotcha. It's kind of whenever I started getting into multi Gotcha. And what was your initial like next steps? You know what I mean? Like you, you decide, you know, I want to go down this path instead of this path. What was step number one for you to go down that path? Yeah. No. So for me, I had bought my very first real estate purchase of my life was a fourplex that I had bought. Right. So coincidentally, it's about a mile away from office now, but I did get a taste of multifamily and then I bought a bunch of houses and realized it doesn't scale very well. Right. And so I knew I did not want to just build up a rental portfolio. Right. I think your father could probably speak to some of these pain points as well. Right. Yeah. It, you know, it can, you can be successful, but it's not a scalable type of problem. And so I was ultimately trying to do my own apartment. And luckily, I did not win that one. Right. And then, you know, instead, I learned about syndication and realized it's really the things that I love. Right. It's a it's got a people component. Right. Meeting investors, meeting other operators, other brokers, things like that as well as it's a numbers play, right? And more specifically, the numbers you know, need to make sense, but also there's a big operation component. And so kind of maybe to tie it back together, I left Microsoft with a vision of building software for industries that don't have it, but I've since realized you know, my, my unique opportunity is actually leverage all the stuff that I know from the tech world and not build brand new technology, but combine it in a way that's just going to make us much more efficient and much more scalable than anybody else. And so that's been kind of the path that we've been going down and that's, you know, definitely helped us tremendously just grow over the past several years. Yeah. So let's talk about real estate then. Why multifamily? Like, so there, there's a lot of people listening to this that are, that are entrepreneurs and some are real estate investors, some are regular investors, some are not investors at all. And some are just entrepreneurs. Some are, you know, nine to fivers that are trying to get out, out of their jobs. Some are nine to fivers that are trying to come, you know, stay climbing the corporate ladder where they are. It's a very diverse group of people that you might be talking to. Uh, so can you talk mm-hmm. about the basics of why multifamily was the direction that you ended up choosing for your investment needs? No, absolutely. So for anyone listening, I highly recommend, you know, I mean, I came from the tech world, right? There's a lot of people in tech that have, you know, one, two, three million dollars just sitting in the stock market. So that's all they know, right? And the problem with real estate, it's actually an education problem, right? Because it, yeah. to me, it is the most powerful investment vehicle, but there's a lot of pieces to it. And so one book I highly recommend to everybody is actually reading a book called The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. 
And it, it doesn't yeah. talk about multifamily specifically, but what it does kind of drill into is kind of the different pillars of real estate and, you know, when pulled together, why it's so much more powerful than anything else, right? Even like con- simple concepts, like people typically invest in real estate thinking it's an appreciation play, right? But right. then you never tell them actually one of the most powerful things in real estate is also the depreciation, right? And those almost sound like contradictory things, right? Yeah. I invest for appreciation and depreciation. And so most people don't understand what that actually means and why that's powerful, right? Right. let alone leverage and cash flow and pay down off the loan, all the different things that make real estate a beautiful asset class. And so I highly recommend that for the listeners just to get a taste of, you know, how real estate grows. And I think in the book, they give a really good example of a couple that I think makes $40,000 a year, right? And, you know, kind of pretty conservative numbers, but they model it out saying, look, if they just stick to this simple plan over the next 30 years, right, they will retire millionaires, right? Yeah. Just buying houses right. in that case. It wasn't even about apartment complexes. And so I think that to me, I read that book and it's kind of the eye opener, like, wow, this is actually really powerful. And so it gave me kind of that foundation of, you know, what makes real estate attractive, but then to drive the point home right now within real estate, there's a lot of different niches, you know, between apartments, office space, you know, self storage, et cetera. I love departments because it is considered one of the most, you know, the safest asset classes. You have some of the best debt in the world. Because in the end of the day, right, people need to live somewhere. And I think with just the recent events that's happened with the virus situation, the government kind of even helped validate that, right? That third on Asimov's, you know, uh, pyramid of needs is, you know, first is food and then water and then housing. They need to live somewhere, right? right? And so I think, you know, in that model, I mean, I know obviously recently, you know, commercials taken a big hit, right, from retail to, to uh, office buildings. But you know, multifamily has done surprisingly well. And so that's really for us, you know, multifamily is kind of our bread and butter. It's our focus because it is just very much, you know, the safest asset class. And for our investors, right, it gets the best return for our investors. And so in terms of just risk to return tolerance. Yeah, right. So uh, besides the book that you mentioned, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor, and that's the one you're, I'm sure you're talking about from Gary Keller and Jay. Yeah, Pax, Gary right? Keller. Sorry, I should have yeah. said that. So definitely pick up a copy of that one. For multifamily investing specifically, though, what would you what what resources would you point people to in order to start learning a little bit more about those things? And what would your advice be to somebody who's maybe thinking, you know what, I want to invest. I got some money sitting in an account right now, but maybe I don't want to learn about all this kind of stuff. Like I don't want to spend the next three years of my life, you know, researching and learning about all these. I don't want to be the expert. I just want to park my money somewhere and let it make me money. What would you say to, to, to that group of people as well? And then what are some resources for the person that does want to go learn more? No, absolutely. So I think, you know, maybe a couple things, right? First, it's, it's important to get educated. So from reading that book to specifically, like you're saying, get into multifamily. And that's, you know, we have a conference that actually we started hosting around the country, Multifamily Investor Network, specifically for that reason, right? Get out there, go meet other people. There's local chapters and local meetups that everyone should go to. Right? Yeah, We're part yeah. of a group called Multifamily Masters where we have, you know, 70 different chapters across the country. And I highly recommend get out there and just talk to people, right? It is a small world. You know, a lot of people know each other and just learn a little bit about the basics, learn the lingo. And then from there, right, you know, kind of there's really two paths. There's the path of I want to go off and go do my own apartment sometime in the future. And, you know, there's the other path is, hey, I just want to stay a passive investor. And, you know, I want to give my money to a trusted operator such as us, right? And they're going to invest in my behalf and, you know, manage the deal, et cetera. And so, you know, for everyone, I mean, definitely get out there, understand the basics of it, right? Don't go into it kind of blindly, right? Spend a little time. There's, we're in the tech world. There's infinite amounts of, you know, content out there. I mean, if people are interested, go to disruptequity.com and we have, you know, little explainer videos that we've put together, again, explaining kind of key concepts. 
but really get educated is the first step. Then the next step is, is go out there and talk to people and learn who, you know, the, the good sponsors and operators are and who's not, if you're looking to invest in somebody. Right? Yeah, it is a right. small world. And, you know, I think just word of mouth is the number one referral for us. And that's, you know, for anyone else that's investing, I mean, same thing, go talk to other people that have invested with us or other people and figure out, you know, what's a fit for you, the investor. Cause I think everyone is looking yeah. for something different and you have to make sure that there's kind of an equilibrium there between what you're looking for, as well as, you know, the sponsor you're investing with and what they're looking for. Yeah, definitely. And, th- and that's why I brought it up because I wanted to make sure that people that were listening know that they don't have to know everything about real estate investing, but find somebody that you can trust people like Ferris and his company Disrupt Equity that can take your money and invest it for you and then give you the dividends in return. So can you uh, kind of explain what the payout difference would be to an investor that maybe is investing with you guys versus parking their money in, you know, an index mutual fund or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot to think about in that, right? That's, that's kind of a loaded question. So, you know, with investing in what we call syndication, right? So what we do, Disrupt Equity, we find deals, we put the deal together, right? In terms of putting the financing together, getting the deal to closing, raising the money with our investors for that equity piece, right? And then, you know, post-closing, we own and operate that deal. Now, any syndication, right? There's usually a split between the investors and the, the operators, right? And so a lot of our deals we're doing, you know, usually like an 8%, what we call preferred return. And then we're splitting, you know, 70, 30, 75, 25 after that. And really what that means is that our investors are getting the first 8% return annualized. And then anything after that, we're splitting with them. So it kind of helps align interest showing, look, we make money after our investors make money. And so really with today's market, with kind of the, the C-class value add space, Mm-hmm. Right. Typical returns that we've modeled on recent deals is kind of anywhere between an eight to 12% average cash on cash, which means really a, like think of it as an annual distribution to investors based on the money that they've invested in. And then with kind of a total return over like a six, if really I'd say a five to seven year hold of doubling their money all in. So that's kind of a normal, I guess, kind of a standardized yeah. uh, deal that we look for. Because they're getting cash flow as well as equity and the actual property. Absolutely. I mean, fundamentally, yeah. and again, this is where it goes back to find a sponsor that operates and kind of delivers a type of returns that you want, right? Because, you know, for us, we're cash flow investors. To me, that's the, that is the number one thing we look for. It's the safest option, right? Appreciation is mm-hmm. always great, but I can't make appreciation happen. Really. Yeah, sure. That's the cherry on top. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's the cherry on top. And we've had deals that have been home run because, you know, we cash flowed really well. We pushed the income really high and we got essentially what we call cap rate compression, meaning kind of valuations went up. And so, you know, those are deals that we decided to sell in two years instead of, you know, five, six years, right? Home run deals. And so those are always nice to have. But I think to me, deals that go in basically betting purely and only on appreciation are, are high risk deals. Yeah, definitely. So now coming into almost a different conversation here, man, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about networking relationships. It's obviously been something that's been part of your career with multiple partners that you had and multiple things and friends that you've had that were big at Amazon and friends, you know, that help you get, you know, different opportunities and things. So I want to get that conversation headed in the right direction here. Would you say, Ferris, that who you know is more important or what you know is more important? No, I'd say who you know is more important because you can almost always learn the what. And I think I grew up believing the opposite. I felt like, you know, I can always learn if I learned everything, I can kind of figure out everything else, which is maybe those are kind of contradictory, but really who, you know, can lead you down the pathways that you'll never imagine. Right. Because again, I can go learn about real estate. Right. But if I know someone that's in there, it's going to accelerate me things. It's going to open up doors that I would have never gotten otherwise. Right. And again, the, the, what, you know, is something you can usually learn on the job, reading, you know, books, listening to podcasts such as this. And I've kind of, 
you know, and I feel like this is the mistake I made earlier in my career is not really learning the value of the network, right? It really is, you know, what they say, your network is your net worth. And I, I highly believe that, especially in an industry such as real estate, that is extremely network driven. Yeah, and so right. for all your listeners, I mean, I think it's important to get out to different types of events, different types of groups and be diligent about it, right? Have a CRM, take notes of people, right? I mean, you know, like I'm on this show and I'm learning stuff about you, Travis, and I'm, this is all information I want to keep in the back of my mind, right? Because you're someone I like, know, and trust and, you know, want to get to know you better. And so yeah, it's important right. to really kind of have that approach with anything that you're doing, right? As, as a person, because, you know, maybe you meet someone and they're in software and you're like, ah, I'm not looking, you know, I'm not going to be in software anytime soon, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe 10 years down the road, you realize that there's a, a need, maybe you need something built. And now right. that person that's in software or that was working at a company like Microsoft, hey, that's actually a good relationship. I like that guy. And, oh, maybe I can, you know, see if he wants to partner with me on, on a side project or something like that. You never know yeah. where these paths go. And I think, you know, I regret not having a CRM and kind of being more diligent about all the people that I've met in my life earlier on. Right. right. I think it, I have many, many missed opportunities that, that could have probably opened up more doors, but it, it's huge. I totally agree. Yeah, it's the concept of digging your well before you're thirsty, you know, and it's it blows my mind sometimes, bro. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to somebody who I think would be a good connection to somebody else. And I always get double opt-ins on any introduction that I make. I get an, an agreement from both parties to say, yes, you're allowed to make that introduction, you know, because you never want to never want to instigate something that, you know, that, uh-huh. that these people, sh- you know, maybe never met on purpose, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, no, you're makes in their so I always get the double opt-ins, but it surprises me sometimes how many people just say no to meeting somebody just because they don't need that particular person expertise right now. You know, it's like, well, you know, I'm working on X, Y, Z and this person seems to be, you know, doing this other thing. And I already got somebody that takes care of this for me. So I don't need that introduction, but thank you type of a thing. And it's just like, wow, why not take the introduction? Have a phone call, like talk about. Yeah, I mean, what do you have lose, right? That's ultimately right. what it is. I mean, exactly. You have especially if you, and, yeah, sure. Yeah. Especially if you know that it's a high quality connection and a, and a person that would, you know, potentially be able, like you, you just, you exactly what you were saying before, Paris, you just have no idea where those things can go. And no. if you're always closed off to it, it's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> the only way to no. know for sure it's not going to go anywhere is to just be closed off to them. Absolutely. And I mean, I can think of multiple examples where I mean, don't, don't judge a book by its cover, right? Yeah. I mean, some of our, our ultra highest net worth investors are the least people you'd expect. And I mean, the people that show up in shorts, flip flops, like you almost don't want to talk to at an event and you're like, wow, like, this, you know, in hindsight, if I had not taken that chance, I would have totally missed out on that opportunity. And, and you bring up a really good point that I think you kind of glossed over, but be a connector right? Add value for other people because then you will be top of mind and they'll add value back, right? You know, disrespect me, we're super busy, but people email me and ask for intros. And again, I'll, I'll try to facilitate those if those make sense. And if I know both sides would be interested, right? right? People appreciate that. And if there's an opportunity in a year from now, six months from now, you know, I will at least be somewhere higher up on the list because they're going to remember, oh yeah, there's so many touch with so-and-so that learned, learned, you know, led into this really powerful thing. And so, you know, it's, it's not just about you know, what can this person do for me today and how does it benefit me, mm-hmm. right? To me, I'm a big believer in planting seeds. And I think right. District Record, that's been a big part of our growth is that, you know, we plan really long-term seeds, things that I know and I say it all the time to our team. Hey, this is something we're going to do today, but it's probably not going to bear any fruit for the next year and a half, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. do more of that. And if you have a long-term approach, I think, you know, people will be pleasantly surprised at 
just how that comes back over time. Yeah. The big thing there is that long-term approach. You got to be willing to put out that good without expecting anything in return in the short term. And I think that's sometimes really difficult for people to wrap their minds around is, is that I'm doing this thing for these other people and I don't see how it's going to affect me positively. So let me just not do it. And I think that's just the wrong approach. And this might sound really woo-woo, but I can speak from personal experience. That's really true. Just the more good that you put out into the universe, the more good that's going to come back onto you. The more that you consistently add value to other people, the more it's going to come back onto you. The law of reciprocity will always have your back. So give without expecting anything in return. And I promise some, some opportunities are going to start coming your way where you're just like, wait, where did this even come from? And I, I don't think that it, it's just that fundamental desire to help and add value to the lives of other people will always come back on you. And Zig Ziglar kind of said it best when he said that um, you can have every, if you up enough people get what they want, you can have everything that you want in life. And uh, that's definitely the way that it seems like that you've been living your life and, and, and structuring your career. And I'm definitely on that same path, that same wavelength. Yeah, no, it's huge. I mean, because, you know, again, it, people start to know and think of you as a person that they like, know, and trust, right? Oh, right. this person is helping me. It is valuing. It's the kind of person that I want to work with, the kind of person I want to talk to, right? And I think just over time, that that's where that leads. And because of that, whenever there's opportunities, people are going to instinctively want to talk to people that they want to like. They already like, know, and trust. So sure. completely agree. So how are you feeling now these days, man, with everything that's going on in the world and the media and with Corona and uh, all that stuff, especially when it comes to real estate, what, what are you guys' plans of attack now? Are you, are you a little hesitant to start buying? Are you afraid of what's going to happen to maybe interest rates or like talk to me about your mentality right now around the real estate market and investing specifically? No, for sure. I mean, it's been definitely interesting, right? So I think at first with all the chaos, right, you know, the, you know, the world around us, super negative, whatnot. And, you know, for us, like we were kind of in the middle of a deal that we had to change up. And, you know, at first it kind of sucked, right? There's just, you don't know this, what's going on. And then on top of that, we just got really, really busy doubling down and, you know, really putting and getting ahead of everything, right? Putting a plan in place with our property management company and our teams to, you know, ensure our properties are going to perform and do well, right? And, you know, that includes really, you know, how do we help tenants? How do, you know, because the more you can help your tenants, it goes back to, the law of reciprocity, right? Is the more you can help tenants and value for them, the more that'll they'll want to stay and they'll be able to pay you in the long run, right? And so, mm -hmm. how do you really build that community and get ahead of all the chaos? And so, we were really busy for a time, just kind of getting ahead of that. And you know, that's bared fruit, right? I mean, our deals have performed so much better than what we were expecting during this time downtime. And really, you know, we have not seen a, a super big hit in terms of you know income or any of that stuff. And so, that was one thing. And I think the other thing that this has forced us to do is, you know, we've been so busy kind of growing, growing and buying, but really now we can, you know, we have like a little bit of a breathing room, right? To double down and, you know, work through other things and initiatives that we know we've been needing to do, we've been wanting to do, right? Well, now we have the time and bandwidth for that. And so, you know, we've kind of made lemonade from lemons and it's actually starting to work out because now we have other kind of initiatives and other businesses that we've kind of built around us. And I think, again, it goes back to the long-term bet. I think those are going to pay off significantly in the long term. Yeah, that's amazing. What would be your advice to somebody out there who's thinking, you know, maybe they have some money saved up and they were like, man, I, w I was going to use this to go invest in real estate, but I don't know what's going to happen to the market right now. And I'm really fearful of putting that money anywhere and I'm just going to hold on to it for a while. What would you, what would you say to them? What would be your advice to them? Yeah. So in general, I mean, to people don't invest money that you're, you're, that, that is, you know, going to make or break you first, first and foremost, regardless of what you're investing in, right? An investment should be that it should be an investment, right? It's not your life savings. And it's the last, you know, the last bit of money that you have. Now, 
from that, right, it's, it's understanding the risk of what you're investing in. Everything has a different risk profile, right? And so, again, I love real estate because at the end of the day, people have to live somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my, my people will pay their rent before they pay their, you know, their credit card statement for the TV that they decided to buy, right? Yeah, and they so should anyway. Understand, <laughs> they should at least, <laughs> right? And I think, you know, for people, it's, it's important to understand that. And, you know, for me, I actually think long-term, I think cap rates are going to go down, right? And so for those that don't know, cap rates is how you value real estate, right? In commercial, uh, commercial real estate. And if cap rates go down, the valuations actually go up. And so I think in the long run with kind of just the insane amounts of money that has been pumped into the market, right? I think all that money is going to start to, you know, kind of get filtered and start to look for places to get invested. Mm. And I think that's just going to, you know, multifamily became a really attractive asset class because of that it's kind of shown it. And I think there's going to be a lot more interest. And so, you know, for anyone that's looking to invest, I'd say, you know, right now with this market, look for deals that are cash flow deals. Don't go bet on a big appreciation play. Right. Maybe it works out. That's fine. But to me, it's just that risk reward to me, at least personally, it doesn't make sense. But really look for cash flowing deals and look for, you know, deals that are not betting on something crazy happening in the next year or two in terms of, oh, we're going to buy this deal. We're going to double the rents. That's not going to happen right now. Right. I don't yeah. think that's the kind of climate that we're in. Right. And so if you're if real estate is what you want to invest in, look for those kinds of plays. Right. And understand you know, again, what you're investing in and does that meet your expectations in terms of timeline, in terms of returns, in terms of risk. Great advice for a crazy time, Ferris. I appreciate you coming on the show. Where would be the best place for people to reach out and connect with you more? Yeah, I mean, I'd say disruptequity.com or feel free to send me an email at Ferris, F-E-R-A-S at disruptequity.com or add me on LinkedIn. So, I mean, I'm pretty, uh, <laughs> being a tech guy, I'm, I'm connected in all the different aspects. So definitely for listeners, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. Perfect. I love it. If you are somebody out there who has a few questions on any of the stuff that we've been talking about today, he literally just gave you his email address, guys. So take advantage of the opportunity that you have to be able to reach out and connect with some of the guests we bring here on the show. Ferris, thanks so much for coming on today, my man. I appreciate you. And I look forward to uh, meeting in person some point in the future. No problem, Travis. Thank you. Definitely. We'll get grab a coffee here soon in person. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.